lying in state. This is how Steve Biko died, isn't it? It is, God, it is. Doctors acted against their oath. Something that is a basic human right has become complex. That's torture. Treasury has never demanded that any department cut core services. The Life is a Dimeni Tragedy. In episode two, Eyewitness News focused on the transfer of the patients and how it was so rushed that families were faced with the mammoth task of trying to find their loved ones. In this episode, we take a look at how doctors and other professionals in the health sector, the same people instructed with looking after the well-being of patients, disregarded their roles and succumbed to political pressure. We will also take a look at one of the main reasons the Gauteng Health Department decided to end its contract with Life Esitimeni, financial constraints and cost-cutting measures. Because the Hippocratic Oath <coughs> requires of you to refuse to succumb to pressure that would endanger the right of proper access to health care by your patient. Isn't it so? That's correct, Justice. The whole core of the Hippocratic Oath is exactly that. Isn't it so, Doc? That's correct. And when it is breached, when politicians give professionals, clinicians, unlawful orders, you know, don't you, clinicians are not bound to implement unlawful orders. That's correct, Justice. Such as discharge somebody to their potential death when it is not your professional opinion to do so. That is correct, Justice. And the world is replete with examples, isn't it? Where executives and other people in power would order doctors to do things and Doctors do them, and so much goes wrong. That is correct. And that's how Steve Biko died, isn't it? It is correct. Doctors acted against their oath, and that helped and precipitated his death. That is correct. The violation of the dignity and rights of the life esitimeni patients and their families lies at the heart of this tragedy. A democratically elected government violated the constitution. Senior officials within government, including doctors with years of experience, denied a vulnerable group in our society the right to quality health care and the right to life. This was not just negligence. It was more. It was reckless disregard. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a sad... It, it was sad for me to see how clinicians could succumb to what I can call political pressure. In one meeting, I was so angry that afterwards they said, it's, it can't be that bad. I said, it's bad when we forget the oath we took. By the clinicians, who are you referring to? The department's clinicians? I'm, I'm referring to, to the head of department who 
is the operational person. I'm referring to the officials in the directorate of the mental health section who all have wonderful credentials as clinicians. How could they not stand up and say, over my dead body, I will not do such. It's hard for anyone to disagree with Dr. Morgan Katra, the former general manager of the Life Esitimeni Group. Doctors did indeed forget their oath to always put the interest of the patient first. Doctors were supposed to put their foot down because health is an essential life-supporting service. The government and the doctors working in government have taken oaths never to jeopardize the health of a patient. Not even the need to save costs is a strong enough reason when it comes to health. And saving costs was one of the reasons behind the Gauteng Health Department's decision to move the patients from life esitimeni facilities to what we know now were ill-equipped and unlawful NGOs. One after the other, senior Gauteng Health Department officials told mourning families that they had no choice but to terminate the contract with Life Esitimeni because they had, and I quote, pressure from above. They all said literally the same thing from the department's Life Esitimeni project manager, Levi Mosinohi. I can't explain the agency in terms of why did we have to close the Life Esitimeni facility. But you were the leader, you were the person... You were the one who was meant to have insight into the project, who reports to your seniors and direct your juniors, right? Yes. That's what a leader does. Yes. Why didn't, why don't you know what was the reason for the agency? In my opinion, there was no agency. There was no agency. The only agent, the only issue was that the decision, the policy decision has already been taken and it was being implemented. Okay, uh, counsel? To the now former head of the department, Dr. Barney Celebano. Um, I don't understand by the fiscal pressure. What do you mean specifically in relation to this contract? The minute, the, the, the contract has been there and there was a certain amount I think I'm not too sure I don't want to speculate on the exact amount and it was felt that uh, like I said it was not the only contract there were other contracts Selby contract for instance so uh, it was one of the contracts where it was discussed and decided that uh, this is what we should do we should uh, uh, find the same way of getting the same value but at a, at, a, at a lesser cost. And the former head of mental health care services in the province, Dr. Mahabu Manamela. Most of the people who were here knew that the department was under very financial constraints. At a certain stage, on every year, we'll go and reprioritize the services for the department. It happened that in the, in the financial year 2015-2016, when the reprioritization was made, there were a lot of some constraint and the, the other areas were looked into and it was found that some of the areas will have to have more constrict uh, uh, management of finance or try to see how we can manage the, the issues. As a result of that, the MEC pre- presented in the budget speech where he said, I'll quote, 
We have started with the cost containment initiatives by reviewing outsourced services. That will include life is demand. Manamela's deputy, Hannah Yakubas. Uh, Justice, uh, because of the <coughs> issues at the end, Dr. Manamela said we have to do it because it's an instruction from above and all orders has to be carried out. The former chair of the Gauteng Mental Health Review Board, Dumazile Masondo, a nurse with over 30 years' experience. Our independence, Mr. Justice, was very much infringed. We didn't have our own human resources. We didn't have staff. So we were using Dr. Manamela's staff. We didn't have budget. So everything was supposed to via him. And of course, former Gauteng Health MEC, Katani Maslam. Because I outlined that we had a meeting with the Premier's Budget Committee. We presented, you'll see my ori- the original presentation that I made to the budget committee. There was no life demand in that presentation. There was no Selby in that presentation. Of course, the operational issues were included in the presentation as cost-saving measures because it is requirement, the, the format you are given by Treasury, that when you come and present your budget requests, you've got to demonstrate what you are going to do to save money from which programs because the budget uh, is under pressure and you've got to look at where you're going to save. But contrary to this claim, and no matter how many times it was repeated by officials in the health department, there was sufficient funding to continue funding the Life Isitimeni deal. When it was her turn to give testimony at the public hearings, Gauteng Finance MEC Barbara Creasy completely discredited the claim there was a need to cut costs. Mourning relatives gasped in horror as the finance MEC told them that there was absolutely no financial pressure on the health department and that it had in fact received a cash injection from the provincial treasury just a year or so before the termination of the life esitimeni contract. And in relation to life esitimeni, there was an under-expenditure of $29 million. Do I read it correctly? That's correct. 29.2 million under expenditure. That's correct, Justice. And I think if you read the Life is Sedi Many line, what you can see is that there is a reduction of the Life is Sedi Many budget, but there is money going elsewhere. So overall, in terms of mental health services, there was no decrease from the side of provincial government in terms of mental health services. But what were they then doing? What, what, what is this all about, Ms. Chrissy? I can't say, Justice. But why would they shut down a facility when the numbers show that there was more than enough money to look after mental health care users, not generally, even at life as a demand. What, what was all this about? Do you know? Can you make sense of this? I don't know, Justice. I can only present you the figures. She said the pressure was to cut down spending on non-core services, which included credit card use and venue hiring expenditure. But this never happened. And what Table 5 does is it lists the items that are targeted for cost containment and it lists for, for each year, for each item, what we expect provincial government as a whole to save. 
And those items are operating payments, travel and subsistence communication, consumables, venues and facilities, catering and departmental activities, administration fees and entertainment. And the overall target for the whole of provincial government, not for the Department of Health, for the whole of provincial government, is to cut 10% of non-core spending in the 2016-17 financial year to realize 158 million rands worth of saving. So this is our target for cost-cutting on non-core items over a three-year period. Can that be justified? Treasury by, has by never demanded that any department cut core services. More confusing was the evidence that showed us that government spent more money at the ill-equipped NGOs than they did for each patient at Life Esitimeni. The difference here was significant. So, who was applying this pressure from above? Who is this faceless person who pressured so many people into neglecting their responsibilities and contributing to a woefully fatal decision that cost so many lives? Money was not even saved. So, what really happened here? I still don't know. The public still doesn't know. And worst, the grieving families of more than 140 dead patients still don't know. Because none of the officials who have spoken have really been able to shed light on what exactly happened and who issued the instruction. But you know what all of this has done? It has left many families in devastating pain. Some are living with the regret of leaving their loved ones in government's care in the first place, while others are in and out of hospital as they battle with the loss of a loved one, especially in such horrifying circumstances. For this episode, I will leave you with the findings of clinical psychologist Coralie Trotter. It is a strong term. I think once you decide that a group of people is undesirable and you dehumanize them, then actually you're, you're in the terrain of torture. So if you take a group of people who didn't know the move was coming up, weren't prepared for it, and they are moved on the backs of trucks, tied with sheets, without supervision, out ID documents, out wheelchairs, out medical files, this, this is no longer a human endeavor. That is in itself a torture. This is not saying, okay, you're going to move, but we're going to do it in the most humane way possible. This was done inhumanely. And so now we're in the terrain of torture. And then that doesn't stop because the patients are moved into these filthy, dangerous environments as if they are not people. And then, you know, for example, the Reverend Maboe saying that um, they wouldn't give Billy water because he would pee in his pants. So then you've got the withholding, however people were fed or weren't fed, whatever happened in terms of all of that. You've now got something that is a basic human right, which is water and food has become complex. That's torture. When you torture people, that's what you do. You play around with food, you play around with water, you, um, you deprive them at a sensory level, um, you overcrowd them, and all of those features of actively torturing people are in this situation. This is an EWN podcast, written and produced by Masekho Rashaka, Sheldon Morais, and Peter Theron.